who is wise and understanding among you, let him show it by his good life, by works done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who saw in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. Last week we discussed at length the use of our tongue and we saw how important and necessary St. James considers the control or the taming of the tongue. In the verses that we just read, St. James opens the subject of wisdom which is not unrelated to the subject of the tongue. So, do you want to be wise? Wisdom is expressed by the tongue. So, if you want to be perceived as a wise person, are you keeping your tongue in line? Well, today's subject refers to wisdom. It is directly connected to the last topics and it is used to answer the, those last issues. In other words, are you wise enough to know if you should become a teacher or not? And are you wise enough to make the proper use of your tongue? Again, the subject of wisdom is great, but the Apostle James here gives some specific points on this super subject. Who is wise and understanding among you? The meaning of the word wise in the language of the Holy Scripture, New and Old Testament does not agree with the ancient Greek or the contemporary Western meaning which always refers to the intellect, to the scientific mindset. But when the Bible talks about wisdom, it actually means the knowledge of God, the keeping of His commandments, the virtues and holiness. In the life of our church, the word wisdom always reflects the meaning of the Holy Scriptures, and the word wise or sophos is an adjective that is used excessively in the feast days of our saints. So a wise person is one of completeness and holiness in the language of the Holy Scriptures and not at all like the wise person of today who may have all kinds of scientific knowledge and many degrees but his lifestyle may be totally ungodly. In the book of Proverbs, in the wisdom of Solomon and wisdom of Sirach, we will find a great deal of verses about wisdom and the importance of this wisdom in our daily lives is great. 
In Proverbs, we read the line, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the keeping of his commandments, etc. So the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, which means that when we begin to plant inside of us the fear of God, we begin the godly wisdom when we keep the commandments, we become even wiser, and this is the wisdom that we must concentrate on. Again, many of our saints were given the title wise without having studied in theological institutions and having read book after book. No, when we see these titles time after time again in the church canons, hymns, troparia, and vespers, it only means that these saints realized and sought after the true wisdom that leads to God and not the worldly wisdom. It is possible for us to seek general wisdom, wisdom with wider bounds. As Christians, we can be involved somewhat in some worldly or scientific wisdom. For example, Solomon asked for wisdom and not please God. When God asked Solomon, what would you like? Ask me anything and I will give it to you. He asked for wisdom and not in the specific sense that we've been talking about along with St. James, but Solomon received general wisdom which also included the type of wisdom was defined by the ancient Greeks. This would include wisdom to understand the stars, the planetary system, the animals, the plants, the weather changes. And this is fine as long as this wisdom is never isolated with the specific wisdom, which is fear of God, holiness, and keeping of the commandments. If the opposite is true and we separate this science or knowledge from the specific or godly wisdom, then this knowledge becomes demonic, as St. James will tell us, and as we witness day after day today in our times. So the wisdom that Solomon asked for, which pleased God because he chose wisdom over wealth, peace, health, power, and so on, and God told him, because you asked for wisdom, I will let you have it all. Again, this wisdom of Solomon had the following characteristics. Number one, he wanted wisdom to search and deepen in the mysteries of God and the will of God. Number two, he wanted wisdom to govern his people successfully. Number three, he wanted wisdom to understand and analyze the different species of animals and plants, botany and zoology, anthropology. Number four, he wanted wisdom to study the stars, astronomy, weather changes, or meteorology. Number five, wisdom in the interpretations of dreams. 
and not the way we explain dreams today. And a few things about dreams. As we know, in the Old Testament, we have some great dream interpreters like Joseph in Egypt and also Daniel. As we know, dreams can be very useful to a psychologist. They are the mirror of our subconscious. Sometimes spiritual people get bothered by certain dreams. And Father Athanasius says that a great deal of people will confess some of their dreams. And most of the time, while he will be listening to them, he will pretend to be disinterested. But at times, the dream of the spiritual child can show to the confessor the state of the soul of the spiritual child, and this can be very helpful. Based on this, the spiritual father can diagnose some of the difficulties that the spiritual child might be facing and ultimately will be able to help him out. But we also have to be very careful because there's the case of demonic dreams. And we have a great deal of stories in the Gerondicon about dreams such as this. And again, Father Athanasios warns us that we have to be extremely careful. He mentions that a certain lady went to him and told him that she had a beautiful dream about him, that he was flying through the air with golden wings, and he had a crown on, and uh, he was making cartwheels in the sky, so to speak. And very abruptly, Father Athanasius tells her, be careful, that was the devil, that was a demon an evil spirit. Be very careful. That was not Father Athanasius. That was simply a demonic and evil spirit. And be very careful because if you believe that that dream represented Father Athanasius, then a few days later, that same spirit will appear with Father Athanasios's face, with horns and a tail, and he will be saying things to you that you will not believe. In both cases, this would be a demon with the intent to deceive. Needless to say, we must be very careful in this matter. We will not take dreams at face value. We will not make decisions about the worthiness of a person based on a dream that we may have had about them. We will not be influenced by dreams in this manner. This is not to say that all the dreams are demonic. As we mentioned, God has used dreams many times to speak to holy people in the Bible and to reveal his divine will. So this is the wisdom that Solomon received. So all of the above can be classified as wisdom. And Solomon had all of the above. God made him wise in all these things. So we cannot really say that this knowledge of nature 
that Solomon received does not represent wisdom. It does. But when this type of wisdom, when separated from God, separated from holiness, then it is no longer wisdom. This is why Plato always taught that any wisdom separated from virtue cannot be called wisdom but knavery or panwargia. So a conniver, according to Plato even, has no true wisdom. When this broad and general wisdom is separated from the specific wisdom, which is the knowledge and fear of God, then this general wisdom becomes demonic in its use and application. This is why today the world is full of demonic wisdom. The people today invent all kinds of techniques and methods to destroy people. So much scientific work that would eventually kill, maim, poison, and destroy human beings. All the wisdom that we have has been used to invent nuclear weapons, chemical weapons, neural gases, biological warfare. Is all this wisdom from God? Certainly not. It can only be an inspiration of the devil because the end result would be death and destruction. We could have been a lot better off without this type of wisdom and a thousand times better off with the simple and specific wisdom of God. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the meekness that comes from wisdom. St. James is very direct about the definition of biblical wisdom. He connects it with a daily lifestyle of the wise person which differs from the worldly wisdom. For instance, the scientific world may have great respect for a scientist and may grant him the Nobel Prize or any kind of prize for his accomplishment regardless of his lifestyle which may be sinful or perverse. No, the standards of Christ are much higher than that. If we want to be wise, we must radiate this wisdom in our daily relations with people. How do we get along with people? Our daily conduct with other people will define our wisdom in a Christian sense. Our good conduct includes the politeness with which we greet people as much as our deep relations with people. This is the good life that the wise person must have, good conduct with all people. The person next to us must get a certain feeling about us, about our ways, our feelings, our soul, our thoughts and actions. All these things must convey to that person the idea and the knowledge that he is dealing with a complete and special person, a person of godly wisdom. And this is the special person that is almost extinct in our times. I hope we realize this.
people of worldly wisdom are a dime a dozen. Professors and scientists and intellectual people are a dime a dozen. And Diogenes with his lantern would pass through them and he would still be looking for a true human being. Diogenes, the Greek philosopher, would stop looking if he would come across a true wise Christian by the standards of the gospel. Diogenes, Plato, Socrates would accept Christ. Again, the people of the world can recognize a person who has these qualities. They will know sooner or later if we are people of godly wisdom. How does the wise person show his wisdom? Not by advertising, not by showing off his intelligence. This wisdom is shown by a very basic element which is again lacking in our society today, the element of meekness, praotis. The true godly wisdom is expressed by meekness. By meekness, the word of God in St. James mean that our thoughts, our decisions, our movements and actions are not a fruit of vainglory or the fruit of selfish, egotistical ambition or the fruit of anger and passions that darken the mind, but the fruit of meekness. The meek person who is calm and cool and collected, regardless of circumstances, has the ability to always use his better judgment. He judges things and situations correctly. Thus we can say that meekness is the first basic element that reflects godly wisdom. A certain man, being illiterate, used to attend some theological lessons. Now, these lectures were given in Latin, and this poor man did not understand a thing about Latin, but he could tell which theologian was in the right or in the wrong. When asked, why are you attending these theological debates? How can this help you? You don't even understand the language. His answer, I can tell which of the professors has the true position by his actions and mannerisms. The world in general has the ability to sense truthfulness and sincerity, regardless if the world itself may be corrupt or swimming in sin and godlessness. The people can tell. They can tell if we are genuine or not. Sooner or later, they will be able to see it. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Chapter 3, verse 14. Is there jealousy and envy among Christians? I'm teaching here today. Would I begin to become jealous if someone else begins to teach tomorrow or teach side by side? Or would someone else begin to feel threatened by our teachings? God help us. When we begin to envy each other, well, we must be very careful because St. James 
will tell us that true wisdom is to talk and to listen, to be teachers and students at the same time. If we only want to talk and teach and we forget the art of listening, we lose our sight of discipleship. The good teacher is always under discipleship. This envy among Christians can be the cause of much friction. This unhealthy competitiveness can be found in families, in associations, in scientific circles. There are tremendous jealousies among scientists who want to be first or have a leading role at a certain new concept or theory or invention. Unfortunately, this type of thing happens even in the church where different brotherhoods will begin to compete and go and get against each other. We saw it with the Corinthians even, where they would begin to take sides, some of them identifying themselves as Peter's or Paul's or Apollos or Christ. Is Christ divided? Certainly not. St. James is also forced to address this problem to warn the Christians from this evil, to correct these problems. People used to stand up in the church to speak, and a second person would argue or contradict the first person, and then a third person would join in and begin to have followers. So there was much division in the church and much friction among the members of the body of Christ. So St. James comes to ask now, what do you think? You actually think that you have the wisdom of God when you act in this shameful manner? My friends, we must be very careful and we must learn how to conduct ourselves in church. Frictions, anger, criticism, spitefulness, and loss of temper have no place in the lives of mature, complete, and wise Christians. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but it is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. Verse 15. So this wisdom that you go up, go on boasting about that you possess, even if you are discussing theological matters, if you argue and complete and create divisions and dissensions, full of grudges, then this wisdom does not come from God. Only true wisdom comes from God. You are using this knowledge to elevate yourself. You are using this knowledge to show off, to show off your intelligence. And that's why this wisdom is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic, a wisdom of human intelligence. The word unspiritual or psychiki in Greek refers to the earthly existence, mundane, mundane wisdom that has to do with the daily existence and sustenance. Demonic refers to a wisdom that may have much depth and height, but there's something something corrupt within this type of wisdom because of the element of rationalism. Do you know that there are many theologians 
And these are theologians of the West, Protestant and Roman Catholics, and all the heretics. Do you know that the theology in the final analysis proves to be demonic? It may seem strange, and it may seem judgmental, but the term demonic theology is being mentioned by St. John of the Latter in his 27th homily. He talks about demonic theology. Can you imagine this? And I will add something else. It is possible that our theology may be super-Orthodox, super-Orthodox, but if we get together to hold a discussion about this Orthodox theology, and because there may exist personal opinions and egotisms and dissensions, then even though this theology may be highly orthodox, for us at least it becomes demonic because we will involve ourselves in arguments and conflicts which are fruits of the sinful nature and this wisdom is called demonic wisdom because it is not for the glory of God. It has been polluted by the evil spirits, the spirits of vainglory, the spirits of dissension, of ego pride once again. And this is what St. John of the Latter describes as demonic wisdom. And this totally agrees with St. James, the first bishop of Jerusalem. For whence you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. For when you have bitter envy and immature zeal, then you find anarchy, chaos, chaos and even evil practice. Even though some nice things may be discussed through this wisdom, but because it does not come from God, it ends up unspiritual and demonic. Now St. James will define for us the qualities of the wisdom that comes from above, which again is the wisdom of holiness. Verse 17, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. It's first all pure. So purity is the first element of godly wisdom. Purity means that there are pure motives. When someone, for instance, starts to talk about the matters of God, he must not have ulterior motives or personal passions and perversions, perverse convictions. This is extremely important. According to St. James, there can be no heavenly wisdom without this first factor of purity. A person of no guile, a person of sincerity, is a very important person. A person of humility is a person that has nothing to prove. He's not looking to make a name for himself. 
people today have ulterior motives and they damage the body of Christ greatly. This damages the body of Christ when people of heavy passions assume a leading role in the church. We have female theologians today who are trying to push their passion of feminism into the orthodox lifestyle and church. They are eager to promote themselves into their holy orders. God forbid. We have theologians today that are preaching neo-Nicolaitanism. That is a new morality contrary to the gospel. Today, we have a lack of true and guileless Israelites in our congregations. Jesus said to Nathaniel, here is a true Israelite that has no guile, no dolo. The truth is that we cannot judge the motives of another person. It is very difficult to do that. Only God can judge our real motives. If you ask me, do you have pure motives? I cannot answer you. I really don't know. If I happen to have some impure motives, how can I see them? This is very difficult to see. This is a great matter. If a person proves to be and appears as a man of pure motives, then he will begin to show a good example of the wisdom that comes from above. His true wisdom is peaceful. He does not argue. He could easily say, my friends, this is the truth. Accept it if you will. If you don't want to, you don't have to accept it. If someone approaches us and begins to disagree with us, disagree with the teachings of the church, let's not jump all over them. This person cannot help it. That's all he happens to understand. We can simply tell him, I'm sorry, but what you believe is false. This is the truth. If you want to believe it, that's great. If not, well, that's your personal right. This is the true wisdom. With true wisdom, we don't have arguments and name callings. Let's all be very careful about this. People happen to have different degrees of understanding. It is not imperative that the rest of the people believe precisely the way we do. It is rather egotistical to expect all the people to think the same way we do. If everybody thought like this, then everyone would be like a small pope, considering himself infallible. No, none of this. My friends, you are convinced of a certain truth. Talk to the other person about it. If he does not accept it, we will not change our attitude towards them. We will continue to greet them with politeness, talk to them, love them. We will not shun them just because they think a little bit differently. 
it's not the end of the world. It is possible that their different thinking may also be true, even though slightly different. But even if they are in the wrong, that's okay. Just talk to God very simply and ask him to show mercy to that person, show them the mercy to help them return to the true path. That's all. We will not have it out. We will not argue. The heavenly wisdom is peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Submissive means to learn to talk, but also to learn how to listen. Learn to be gentle. When the other person does not understand very well, take a moderate stance. Do not be in a hurry to attack. St. Paul uses a truly beautiful verse in Thessalonians, Thessalonians when he says, Some things you have not understood as of yet, but God will reveal these things to you as well. He does not argue with them. He does not scold them because they did not understand him. Shame on you. I spoke to you for so long and you are refusing to understand. They cannot help it. Some things you have not understood as of yet, but God will reveal these things to you as well. This is a beautiful sentence. So St. Paul is considerate. He has the spirit of forbearance. Now that we are close to Great Lent, someone may say, I cannot fast 40 days. I have never done this. Well, how many days can you fast? Do as much as you can, but get started. Next year, you will do a little more, little by little, as long as you make an attempt, as long as you get started. You'll see how easy it is. Do the best you can. We are not going to insist that a new person in the faith, a person that just joined our church or began to listen to the Word of God, we will not expect them to keep the strict fast for 50-some days. We will show forbearance. We are not compromising our faith or our traditions. We are simply exercising forbearance. So this is the wisdom from above, all pure, peace-loving, forbearing, compliant, full of mercy. This last one was never understood by the ancient world. Wisdom full of mercy. For them, wisdom was full of intelligence, full of high ideals, but they never considered that wisdom could be combined with mercy or love. This amazing combination was never known to humanity before the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel teaches wisdom and love. To be wise without love, this is harshness. To have love without wisdom, 
can lead to craziness. So wisdom and love describes the perfect man in Christ. This is why the only wise God came on earth to not only show his wisdom, but also to show us his love. So the godly wisdom is full of mercy. I could say this, that if we happen to forget some of these things, at least let's never forget that the heavenly wisdom is full of mercy and good fruit without uncertainty and sincere. Without uncertainty, without a doubt, the Greek word is aviakritos, meaning showing no doubt, not wishy-washy, not having thoughts of doubt, but also unconditional wisdom, with a big heart, as we say. We overlook and easily forget mistakes of other people. If someone happens to break something or have an accident, we don't keep bringing this up over and over again, driving them insane. We will correct that person if they happen to be at fault and leave it alone, leave it at that. This is called aviakritos or unconditional wisdom and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. In other words, the spiritual fruit of holiness is sowed without friction and argument, peacefully and politely from those that spread peace, being truly wise and peacemakers, teachers of the heavenly wisdom. So now let's mention some of the characteristics of this wisdom was found in the Book of the Wisdom of Sirach. All wisdom is from God and will be with him forever. There are three different meanings of the term wisdom here in the book. First, wisdom can mean general knowledge, as in the case of Solomon. Second, it can be virtue. And third, it is the name of the Enipostato Sophia, or the second person of the Holy Trinity. In Thessaloniki, there is a church of Saint Sophia, Saint Wisdom, meaning the wisdom of God, the Word of God, the one who incarnated, meaning Jesus Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity also referred to as the wisdom of God. So every wisdom is from God and stays with him forever. God the Word is always with God the Father, always, always inseparable. He came to us but was never divided from the Father. So again, in the wisdom of Sirach, when it says all wisdom is from God, and will, and will be with him forever, this is insinuating the second person of the Holy Trinity, as we mentioned, that is inseparable and undivided with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Who can measure the sand of the seas and the raindrops and the days of the creation? Who can measure the heights of the heavens? 
meaning the diameter of the universe. Science tells us now that the number 30 million light years expresses the diameter of the universe, the end of the universe. So who can measure the height of the heavens and the width of the earth and the abyss, but also wisdom itself, who can bring to light all these things? Wisdom here again is God the Logos. So who can discover all these things and the Word of God who created all these things? Wisdom was first before all creation because he created all that was created. So wisdom is the second person of the Holy Trinity. God put the seal of his wisdom on all things, on all creation. St. John mentions this in the first chapter of his gospel. Wisdom was into the world, but the people did not know it, meaning God the Word was always in the world. But the people did not know it because their deeds were dark. So behind the causes, behind the natural laws, behind the causes of all things is God the Word. But the world, meaning the people, did not recognize him because their deeds were dark. They chose to stay in darkness and refuse the light. If they had recognized him, they would not invent all these foolish theories like Darwin's evolution or the Big Bang Theory and all the other nonsense that godless science has succeeded in pushing down people's throats. By the way, theories are nothing but assumptions, possibilities, and never a proven fact. Once again, if people's hearts would be pure, they would discover or see the divine wisdom behind these natural laws. And this is not the time to discuss this, but behind these natural laws, behind the laws of the universe, are God's angels orchestrating the great harmony of the heavenly bodies, the vast galaxies. There's so much wisdom in the Holy Scriptures. Wisdom of Sirach, chapter 1, verse 10. She, meaning the wisdom, dwells with all flesh according to his gift, and he supplied her to those who love him. So God sealed all creation, every creature, with the seal of wisdom. He gave wisdom to all creation, all creatures, according to the measure of his divine judgment, and supplied her to those who love him. In other words, he gave the recognition of this wisdom, the revelation of this wisdom, only to those who love him. So only the people who love God can see God in everything. The believing, the believing scientist can see God in everything he does. 
And we will close with verse 14 of chapter 1, Sophia, or Wisdom of Sirach. To fear the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. She is created with the faithful in the womb. This is a very touching verse. The divine wisdom, God the Word, the second person of the Holy Trinity, is the co-creator with our natural parents. At the time of conception, he is ever-present, instilling his seal on a tiny embryo that receives a soul at the exact moment of conception. Again, God's wisdom is created with the faithful in the womb. We often read in the lives of the saints that children of very pious parents would act very godly from the age of two, from the time they're toddlers, two years old. We have accounts of saints that would refuse their mother's milk on Wednesday and Friday at infancy. This can only be the gift of wisdom to those who love him. We pray that we're given some of this heavenly wisdom to come to fully recognize God the Word, the wisdom of God, to help us walk as complete, mature Christians of pure motives. Amen.